you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, a live literary event series from LAist. We are back with guests, author Amanda Montel and actor Bella Lavelle. You can find us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum. Tickets at LAist.com events. heard of ABC anywhere but California. California We're bigger than 22 states. In America. So small states. In point states. of fact, well, personal so income in 1975, my first year as governor, was $154 billion. Today, it has grown to $2.4 trillion. We manufacture exercise equipment. Glass yes, ball. aerospace components. Uh, we are a boutique manufacturer of custom electric guitars. Uh, we're a manufacturer of metal working fluids. We're a high-end wheel manufacturer. We make custom million clothes. new jobs have been created. Very few places in the world can match that record. You can see that in California, which is uh, one-seventh of the GDP of the United States. And California's the fifth largest economy in the world. And L.A.? It's more than a quarter of California's overall economy. When the big one hits, what's going to happen to you? If you live in Kentucky, are you going to show up at a movie theater and there will be no new movies? If you're a millennial in Brooklyn, will there be a massive avocado shortage just ruining your brunch? Will the big one cause an economic butterfly effect and devastate the entire housing market, send the nation into yet another financial crisis? I mean, if this quake happens exactly as they say, it will be the most expensive natural disaster in our nation's history. Currently, Katrina holds the title, coming in at $160 billion. The big one is going to be approximately $200 billion. When we started reporting this episode, we had a pretty specific thesis. That when L.A. gets hit, the rest of the world will suffer, right? Turns out... We were a little full of ourselves. Natural disasters aren't sustained. They're large, they're certainly rapid, they're a shock to the system, but they go away. That's one of the many economists we spoke with. His name's Chris Thornburg, and he works at a think tank. And while the results of a natural disaster can be, from a humanitarian perspective, tragic, I mean, deaths, loss of lives, loss of housing, the broader economic conditions bounce back remarkably fast. So yes, LAX will shut down for maybe three days. The ports will close, but they should be back open in less than two months. But the economists we spoke with agreed that LA is resilient, that we will recover, and it probably won't even take that long. September 11th in New York City, to the Northridge quake here in LA, to probably most recently the tragic fires in Santa Rosa last year, within a year, the economy was back on track and growing. I've never seen a recession created by a natural disaster. Could it really be that simple? I'm Jacob Margolis, and this is The Big One, Episode 5, The Economy. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. 
one lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at Elias.com slash sweeps. Elias has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAS.com slash events. L.A. wasn't always California's biggest and most influential city. It used to be San Francisco. At the turn of the 20th century, San Francisco had way more people, way more business, way more influence than L.A. Then in 1906, a 7.9 magnitude earthquake hit. It's a big one. Fires broke out. By the end of it, nearly 500 city blocks were destroyed. More than 3,000 people died. The headlines in the days after, terrifying. Big business buildings already consumed by fire and dynamite. 30,000 smaller structures swept out. The remainder are doomed. Annihilated residents burning. Dead in street. Panic-stricken people flee. Death and destruction have been the fate of San Francisco. Refugees go to Oakland. Orphans driven from their shelter. San Francisco is obliterated. Seventy-five thousand people who lived in San Francisco left. Another two hundred twenty-five thousand were left homeless. There's this one account I read that says sixteen enlisted men and two officers from the USS Chicago supervised the rescue of twenty thousand refugees fleeing the Great Fire. Refugee camps popped up all over the city. Presidio Park was covered with sixteen thousand tents. When I talked to L.A.'s mayor, Eric Garcetti, he brought up San Francisco. So San Francisco was the dominant and most populous city in this state and never was after that. Now, we've got more land down here. There's a lot of reasons. But uh, these are things that, if they're devastating, cities don't recover from, not just for years, but for decades. And, of course, there's some scenario with some quake big enough where that could happen in L.A. The best you can do is the most. And that's what I'm pushing for. In the year after the quake and the Great Fire, the trajectory of San Francisco changed. And it's not the only city to get knocked off course by a natural disaster. Galveston used to be the economic king of Texas. 1900, a major hurricane hits and destroys the city. 6,000 dead, 10,000 homeless. Houston becomes the city in Texas that people move to. Worst case scenario, Los Angeles ends up like San Francisco or Galveston. Best case scenario, it recovers from the big one. And maybe we even end up like Chicago after the 1871 fire. Shinier and better than before. But even in the best case scenario, LA will never be the same. And it won't be easy. And I think the problem right, right now is that, that most of uh, people like uh, 
low class or middle class like they're trying just to survive earnings are not enough right now to to save up money LA is expensive too it is expensive uh, housing and everything everything went up yeah and that, that makes it more hard for you to to save money and to prepare there's not much that we can do I guess Santos Garcia works as a tailor in downtown LA makes about 20 bucks an hour which adds up to about 40,000 a year. And he's the LA everyman. He's 36, the average age in LA, 35. He's Latino, which is the most common ethnicity in LA. And he rents, and most people in LA are renters. He doesn't have earthquake insurance, like 86% of all Californians, myself included. And the truth is, if Santos loses his job because of the quake, or say, can't get to work for a while because of blocked roads or something, that would be really really hard for him to get by. If I'm not working after a month, yeah, we'll probably go homeless. Or, I mean... Just like your landlord will kick you out like that? Yeah, yeah, if I don't pay rent, I mean, they will kick me out. So, yeah, it's, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be tough. And uh, I don't want to, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> So, yeah, we just hope when that thing happens, I mean, that we can go back to normal as quick as possible. But uh, <laughs> I just imagine it. Uh, well, I don't know. It will take time. It will take time. There's this idea that after the big one, it'll take time to get back to normal, but that we will get there. Here's what you need to understand. Back to normal for a person is different than back to normal for the economy. Recovery for LA's economy is not back to normal for Santos. Twenty dollars per hour. Yeah. Do you feel like that's enough to save up a lot of money every month? Uh no, no. Right now everything is so expensive. I spend a lot in uh, gas because I drive. So yeah, it's it's not enough. People who make the same amount of money as Santos, the average person in L.A., have about $2,000 saved up. Rent in L.A., on average, is $2,265 a month. I mean, I've been working and surviving, like, paycheck to paycheck. I mean, I, I can have some uh, savings, but uh, just that's just for emergency. But right now, I'm just starting to to cope up with my uh, expenses, uh, car, kid, and, you know, everything. <laughs> yeah. So um, nowadays it's kind of hard for you to, uh, to put aside some money, extra money, unless you're really doing good or uh, uh, getting paid pretty good. When experts look at the economy after disaster, it's macro, unemployment, gross domestic product, did roads reopen? Are the ports back up and running? Louisiana now is number one per capita in foreign direct investments. We've had Recovered investments. fairly quickly. As long as everything goes according to plan and the weather through the winter cooperates, these folks should be able to move into their brand new homes in it's seven paid months. paid off. Japan's economy is back to pre-earthquake levels. had an oversupply issue in a lot right. of arenas and that that's been eradicated overnight to say nothing of People the fact that as prepared for these sorts of things as you can be. That includes the mining sector. So it'll have an impact, but it won't be lasting. From that perspective, there's also a lot of opportunity when there's a lot of destruction. Say a bridge collapses, 
New jobs will pop up to help rebuild that bridge. Some people do benefit. They even come out ahead. Big business, for example. Look at Walmart or Walmarts. The big one might destroy a single Walmart store, but it won't destroy Walmart, the company. It's not going to destroy Whole Foods or SoulCycle or Disney. And Julia Roberts will be just fine. Small businesses might not have the strength to survive it. The 1,000-foot view does something strange, though. It averages everything out. So people and businesses who are doing well, the Disneys and the Julia Roberts, mask the people like Santos. People who won't bounce back as easily. On paper, Renee Bick should have been fine. And then I got a text from our production manager around midnight asking if um, the winery was going to be okay in the fires. That was kind of my first inkling that something was going on. In 2017, the Tubbs fire burned through the city of Santa Rosa. It lasted for weeks. It hit late at night. Renee was just about to go to sleep. Eventually, about... Um, about 12.30, uh, between 12.30 and 1, we got a, a picture uh, that someone posted on Facebook with huge flames behind our entrance sign to the property. The entrance sign to Paradise Ridge Winery. His parents bought the property back in the late 70s when he was just a kid. Now he and some other family members own and run it. It's a beautiful property. Spans acres vineyards, a tasting room, an events hall, 11 buildings in total. They've got this one big statue that spells out love. I mean, I could see from my from from our driveway, um, you know, I could see the glow and then I could see the fires and then I could see houses burning and it was definitely heading our way. He and his family evacuate. They have to. The fires rage. When he's finally allowed back in, he finds his home still standing but the family business burned. We had, a, we had a group text going with our managers. We were in contact with our family. Um, they all, our family gathered, and I want to say within a week after the fires, we had uh, a gathering of all of our employees at my father's house. And kind of, you know, it was very emotional. A lot of people knew people who lost homes. We had people who lost homes. The good news, or so he thought, was that he'd prepared. He had a blanket insurance policy. We were immediately in contact with our uh, insurance company. I mean, like, like literally on that Monday morning, like they immediately paid out our building losses or, because all the buildings were destroyed and it was obvious that we were going to max it out because we weren't even half insured on the building. So certain, certain parts of our insurance policy um, worked, um, but... The biggest downfall is that we're basically seven or eight or $10 million underinsured on our buildings. The broker they relied on for expertise didn't envision what happened. The loss of all the commercial buildings in one fell swoop. And that's what we were trying to recoup because it creates created a lot of financial strain on the family, emotional strain on the family. Tubbs was massive. It was one of three monster fires burning through the state at the same time. 
By the time it was over, it had wiped out more than 5,000 homes in Sonoma County alone. It's been uh, very difficult for, for a lot of people around here who've, who've basically lost everything and are trying to rebuild. You know, my friends who lost homes, uh, many friends who lost homes, like my daughter's uh, elementary school, like uh, 25% of all the families lost their homes and 40% of all the students in her class lost their home. Renee used to have 50 employees. Now, he has six. But in just one year, economists say Santa Rosa's recovered. The fact that the winery is back open, it's working on making itself whole again, trying to find the $10 million to get back to normal is taken as a sign of recovery. And Renee will likely recover. In fact, research shows that people like him Affluent, educated white Americans come out of disasters ultimately better off than before the disaster strikes. It's not just that natural disasters are revealing inequality, but they're actually making a key component to exacerbating it. Junia Howell is a sociologist who studies wealth inequality. She did a study recently looking at where people lived, their families, education, health, race, 13 years of data. She wanted to see how people fare after natural disasters. Everything from hurricanes to floods to fires. She and her colleagues saw some things you might expect. That homeowners have it easier after a disaster than renters. And that if you're college educated, you'll have an easier time than someone without a college degree. They actually gain wealth the more natural hazards that they experience. While their less educated counterparts, individuals with less than a 10th grade education, for example, lose wealth. Junia and her colleagues found a correlation between race and what kind of recovery you make. Here's what they looked at. So you start in, in this time period in 1999 with the same amount of wealth. You live in a really similar neighborhood. You have the same amount of education, same marital status, you're married or not married, whatever. You have kids. You're pretty much like, the same kind of two people as far as all the things that are important for wealth accumulation. And one person lives in a county that really didn't experience any natural hazards. And another person lives in a county like New Orleans that experienced enormous amounts of disaster over this time period. Or um, in Mammoth, New Jersey, who also experienced lots of disasters in this time period. Or even L.A., which also experienced a lot of disasters. And what we see is over these years, as it unfolds, the person who lived in these counties counties that experience a lot of disasters actually accumulate significantly more wealth than their same counterparts, their same white counterparts that didn't experience that natural disasters. Did you catch that? She's saying more disasters, more money. But only if you're white. If you're white, over time, you're actually going to accumulate more than if you never had that disaster in the first place. But for black people, for Latinos, for Asians, it's not true. People of color end up worse off than their counterparts who didn't live through a disaster. We'll get to that in a second. But Junia also looked at how two people, one white and one black, did when they had key things in common. 
What's, and particularly as a race scholar too, what's fascinating to me is that the inequality is still playing out. Now, of course, not as dramatic as if we add in those other socioeconomic factors. But even when we are just looking at a black and white individual who are similarly educated and and own their home, you're still seeing approximately $100,000 difference in the most extreme disaster cases of wealth inequality. In other words, we're trying to compare apples to apples instead of apples to oranges. But of course, it's not how America works. There's already a wealth gap here. According to the New York Times, for every $100 in white family wealth, black families hold just $5.04. That's a $100 apple and $5 orange. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. Parole is our love letter to Los Angeles. We'll tell you where to get a yummy torta, a bowl of congee, and of course, a burger. It's a beef sausage blend, fried egg, grilled onions, and then raspberry jam. What hiking trails to check out. This feels like we're out in the mountains. And where to take in some culture. Lemert Park, they've been fostering jazz for decades. LA's a big place with a lot going on. So we got you. Subscribe to How to LA from LA Studios wherever you listen to podcasts. I was reading this report by the Federal Reserve that just ticks off category after category where black households are worse off than white households. Homeownership, car ownership, savings, and income. Latino households are a similar story. Junia says that natural disasters only widen that gap. Why? It comes down to a whole lot of decisions that get made along the way. Decisions that favor white people. It's systemic racism. It even affects how insurance payouts work. And home insurance has, you know, its headaches that if you've ever had to file a claim, I'm sure you've experienced. But it also is an amazing safety net for those who are able to afford home insurance and who own a home to not only recoup what might have been lost, but also to be able to expand um, and renovate while they're doing that. And so that's one of the the biggest uh, kind of known elements of how these inequalities unfold. You've updated your house and increased its value. Sure. You lost the front of your house in that tornado, but now you have that deck you always dreamed of. That's only if you qualify for the payout, if your home is assessed as being damaged. Houston's Harris County. It's a place where low-income communities have their FEMA applications denied 50% of the time. That's the difference between who ends up with a house that's even nicer than before and who waits for years for repairs with tarps across their roofs. Beyond that, there are a whole lot of other factors that play into what streets get fixed first and which neighborhoods, which retail center is prioritized for repair. It's fairly clear, especially when we look at some of the major disasters, for example, Katrina, that how the local and national officials are making decisions about which neighborhoods and where infrastructure development should happen, that these are along racial and socioeconomic class lines. Most people who live in L.A., 73 percent are people of color. They rent, 
They don't have renter's insurance. They're in their 30s. They don't have much money saved. Less than half of the people in LA County have a bachelor's degree. The things that give you a leg up in recovery, most residents of LA don't have. The quake is indiscriminate, but the process of recovery is not. Berkeley, California, April 25th, 1906, seven days after the earthquake. Dear Mr. Mead, we have all been so busy since the earthquake shock of last Wednesday morning with outside duties that we are just now beginning to resume our regular work. San Francisco is beginning to rise again out of its ashes. There's no lack of confidence. The courage of the people is simply remarkable. The thousands who lost about all they possessed are wonderfully cheery, and one seldom hears any whining. The genuine Western spirit is rampart everywhere, and the people of San Francisco seem determined to begin at once to build a new San Francisco, which will far surpass the old in every essential feature. I never was so proud of Californians as I am today. California inspires. For many people all over the world, living here is a dream, even though that means having to withstand fires and landslides and drought and, yes, earthquakes. But even without natural disasters, it's a hard place to live. It's really expensive. More than half of the people who live in the state spend more than 30% of their income on rent. A quarter pay more than 50%. One in five Californians exist in poverty. When we get back on track, that's the track we're getting back on. That's what's considered fine. So yeah, California will be fine. LA will be fine. We'll all just be fine. Have you ever thought about a big earthquake here? Like what a big earthquake would be like in, in Los Angeles? Uh, I don't want to think about it, but it's a reality. I've heard the news and I know that it will happen sooner or later. But yeah, so I, I mean, I cannot do anything about it. I hope it won't happen, but it will happen. <laughs> Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at las.com slash events. See you there. 274 newly built units have sat empty for more than 60 days. I'm Nick Gerda. In my news stories on homelessness, I follow the money, hold officials accountable, and tell you which policies are working, which are not, and how that affects people here in Southern California. I'm proud my reporting for LAist helped fast-track VA housing for veterans in West LA and forced an accounting of millions of taxpayer dollars in Orange County. LAist. Independent journalism. Fact-based journalism. 
find out how you can be more than fine. Stick around for tips with Misha Youssef after the credits. Misha Youssef is our lead producer. Arwen Nix is our executive producer. Arwen and Misha also did our sound design for this episode. Mary Knopf is our assistant producer. Megan Garvey is our editor. Our music's by Andy Clausen. Our engineers are Sean Corey Campbell and Valentino Rivera. Website and design from Stephanie Kraft and Dana Amahir. Illustrations and animations by Dan Carino. This episode was reported by Misha Youssef and Mary Knopf with help from me, Jacob Margolis. It was written by Misha Youssef, Mary Knopf, and Arwen Nix. We got production reporting help for the big one from David Rodriguez. Marketing by Alex Laughlin. Thanks to James Kim for saying, hey girl, whenever we pass him on the stairs. Can Thank- you do it like, hey girl? No, I can't. <laughs> Not as a straight white dude, no. I'm your host, Jacob Margolis. You can find most of us on Twitter, and I hope that you will. Hey, Big One listener, this episode is all about money, and money is a hard thing. We don't all have the same amount and can't afford the same things. So we have some money-related tips for you. Tip number one, if you're a renter and you have the money, get renter's insurance. There are tons of options. You could pay a few bucks a month, and at least some of your possessions will be covered. Tip number two, if you're a homeowner, make sure you have earthquake and fire insurance. They are two different things and are often not included in your blanket home insurance policy. So review those documents carefully, do your Googling, talk to someone, and while you're at it, make sure your deductible is something you can reasonably pay or have saved up. Tip number three, back to the renters, because let's be real, most of us don't own a home in LA. Talk to your landlord or landlady ahead of time about what they plan to do in case of a disaster. Will they house you if the building is destroyed? We have some more questions for you to ask on LAS. So head to LAS.com. As a farmer's son from a desert region in California, J.B. Hamby thinks a lot about water. I spent a lot of time digging up history, particularly about water, which is the origins of the Imperial Valley. How this 28-year-old became the youngest lead negotiator on the Colorado River ever. And how he could shape the most consequential negotiations to date. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts.